That's right, kids. Welcome all again, brothers and sisters. You are listening to episode two of my little two-parter this week. I'm calling Best of Both Worlds, where we're looking at uh, handling the great debate about Dave versus Sammy, or Sammy versus Dave, however you want to see it. Um, So... In the last episode, we decided to uh, cover our first ever purchased, owned by me, Van Halen record, which was 5150, which was also Sammy's first uh, uh, foray into the band known as the ever great and powerful Van Halen. And this episode, we are taking our little time-traveling machine backwards back to 1978, February 10th of 1978, with the debut release of the band's uh, self-titled album, Van Halen. Or as most fans are apt to call it, me especially, Van Halen 1. Because, you know, there was a Van Halen 2, and the unspoken doesn't really exist Van Halen 3 but yeah so this is uh going to be we we gonna be discussing uh the first Van Halen album and this one is the David Lee Roth Van Halen the as some would call the real Van Halen not Van Hagar but as I said earlier today in episode in the first episode of Best of Both Worlds I'm sorry, but there's room for both. And y'all can be out there and disagree with me. I've had plenty of debates about this with friends and so forth. And it's it's, it's never caused fistfights and things like that. But I know it's a pretty heated thing. And I get it. Um, I'm just from the second generation of Van Halen. And thankfully there isn't a third generation of Van Halen. Otherwise, you know, I mean, unless you consider the Wolfie version of Van Halen the the, the third generation. And by the way, anyone who has not checked out Wolfgang Van Halen's Mammoth, uh, man, did, 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 did Valerie and Eddie do good because the kid just got what it takes He's a really great songwriter. He's a, an amazing musician. I mean, the kid played all of the all of the instruments on this record: bass, drums, guitar, keys, all the other stuff on there. So, I mean, and, and he sang. And the boy's got some some vocal chops too. Don't don't sleep on it. Go check it out for real. Um. And I'm sure at some point we will delve into that uh, that record uh, when it does become part of the collection somewhere down the road when, you know, when we have the, the, the financial re- resources to do so. So, Jesus, I went this whole time and any of you who are first-time listeners don't know who I am. My name's Kyle. Sorry. Welcome to Coffee and Vinyl. And uh, like I said, this is... Ep- uh, Episode 2 of a two-parter. This is actually going to come out as episode, what, 6? 
Yes, episode six. Um, but this is part two of the great debate in rock and roll: who's better, Eddie versus or uh, Sammy versus Dave. So, our first track uh, is track number one, and that's "Running with the Devil." And I have a neat little—well, not a neat little story, but a little story that always made me feel good when I was eventually proven right. Had a friend of mine back in the day that swore up and down that the uh, the little tinkly sound that you hear at the very beginning was, you know, uh, the the start of Ed playing on record keyboards and or piano and swore up and down that that was him doing a little ditty on the piano when eventually this guy right here, because, you know, I always have to be proven right, or whatever. <laughs> it's just my personality. But uh, it was proven right that essentially that little sound was Ed strumming up at the top of the neck of the guitar uh, just to, to make that interesting little sound. You'll know what I'm talking about when you hear it here in a second because we're going to play it because this is definitely one of those amazing open. Uh, Amazing, God damn, I use that word. I use those words a lot. Okay, I'm going to repeat myself, so whatever. That's just how I talk. But this is the opening track off of Van Halen 1. A little bit of Running with the Devil. There they are, in all of their greatness. That is the almighty Van Halen. First track off of their debut album, Running With The Devil. And for my money, one of the best opening tracks of all time. Aside from maybe, I think my favorite opening track of all time is probably the one that I opened this show with. Uh, which is called Welcome All Again. And that is off of Collective Souls' second self-titled Collective Soul album from 2009, better known as the Rabbit Album. But that is probably my absolute favorite opening track off of an album. And it just just gets you going. You, even if it's a little bit on the distorted sounding side there at the beginning, and yes, no, that is not my recording equipment. That is the song. No matter what you listen to, that song sounds distorted there, and it's just so goddamn loud. But it's great. And... Anyway, this is definitely one of my other favorites uh, opening tracks of an album because it just sets the tone for the entire rest of the album. It, it, very little better than that. And Dave, just like Sammy, can write some damn lyrics. And for my money, I live my life like there's no tomorrow. It, 
definitely says everything about Dave. Even today, he lives his life like there is no tomorrow. He is a wonderfully crazy son of a bitch. And every time I get a chance to hear him interviewed, I love it. You feel me? Yeah, you do, Diamond Dave. You feel me. Anyway, uh, the next track I'm going to play is arguably... Not arguably. It is out there in the world, out in the ether, known as one of the greatest guitar solos of all time. And because it is so good, and because it's only a minute and 42 seconds, I'm going to play it play it in its entirety because it deserves to be loved in its entirety. So without any more further ado, brothers and sisters, boys and girls... Mr. Edward Van Halen, Eruption, from the first Van Halen record. Here we go. stuck in my own place I had spirited debates with young young fellas there in my uh, high school that I was friends with that I I just I wasn't going to give up and I always thought Eric Clapton was a much better guitarist but as time went on and we all know what happened to Mr. Clapton another guy we will get into because even if he's kind of a D-bag these days, and kind of always really was, um, prolific guitarist, but I never really gave Ed his due until I really was able to sit down and appreciate what he did and who he was, and this song 
minute and 42 seconds is legit one of the best guitar solos of all time. Now, is it the best? Some folks would say yes. Others, eh, it's, it's, it's in there. I'm in the, uh, it's in there and definitely in the, the top, top, top of the echelon. Um, there are other gentlemen out there, uh, Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, Joe Bonabana, some, I'm never going to be able to say that poor guy's name right, <clears throat> uh, that are up there too, Buckethead, all these wonderful virtuosos that are out there, but Ed, Ed was a trailblazer, uh, right up there with Jimi Hendrix, and Jimi is another guy we will definitely be covering, that man lived too short, and did so much, and was so important, but Ed was right there with him, I mean, the hammer-ons, that, that really what weren't a thing back then, uh, you know, guys playing that and, and making it sound right and so forth. Yeah, dudes have played hammer-ons here and there, you know, in songs and things, but Eddie brought that whole thing to the forefront. And because he could. I mean, he was just experimental. I mean, Jesus, Jesus his freaking guitar was, was the Frankenstrat. And yes, that particular guitar is featured on the cover of this album though not painted red yet it's still there that monstrosity that he played forever that's iconic for him with the red and black white stripes <clears throat> Jesus Christ I'm I was so into doing this today I'm wearing my red and black and white converse they're not striped like that I know you can get them but this they're, they're my tribute anyway uh the song that directly leads into or that is led into by that amazing solo called Eruption is a little ditty writ written by Dave Davies of the Kinks and it was one of their big hits and it actually was the first single off of this record to introduce the world to Van Halen and it's a little bit little, little thing they call You Really Got Me Now y'all know it and if you don't love it, as I've said before, what's the matter with juice? brothers and sisters there's those harmonies that I alluded to on episode one that Mike Anthony and Eddie both play into beautifully with Dave and they play into beautifully with Sammy as well but on this particular one and on another track on this album that we'll be getting to soon those harmonies are just absolutely gorgeous and Honestly, for my money, I do like this version of the song better than the Kinks version. I know in some people's heads, oh my god, blasphemy. But for a song they didn't write, they definitely went ahead and made it their own. Eddie's little uh, 
bits there in the midst in the middle of the song that aren't that are just uh, just great <clears throat> and yeah for a cover you, you they almost took it over like Jimmy took over all along the watchtower almost not quite but uh, yeah so a little bit of history that I kind of came across in my research and in just kind of living and understanding the band the boys recorded back in uh, 76 or so they recorded three demos for this that were produced and financed by of all people as much as I hate to say this Gene Simmons of KISS I personally am not a huge KISS fan they will not be a band I will cover because I never became enamored with and never became part of the KISS army not a huge fan of them I think part of it has to do with with Gene's personality and how gross he makes me feel but he did do a lot for this band uh, at the the onset and for the band we'll actually be covering on Thursday dropping on Friday uh, uh, Rush If, if it had not been for touring with Kiss and and being involved with Gene Simmons at one point in time neither one of these bands would have been on our radar at least not to the extent that they are now but that being said they recorded three songs uh nothing really came of it the the the, uh record execs didn't hear what they didn't hear anything they liked coming from van halen ed was a little bit upset because he wanted to record it on their own equipment they did not uh i think that's where he felt they were a little lackluster but uh, as time went on they were heard by the some people that were important gene did have something to do with it he did finance those demos and he did kind of put the word out when he was on tour and one of the guys that uh heard of them was ted templeman who became their producer uh for a very long time up through 1984 ted did not produce 5150 but he did come back eventually and do some work with uh the boys in van halen uh Later on, I want to say, believe he's the producer on OU812 and on Balance, at least on OU812. Uh, if I'm wrong, I will correct myself in the future because we will be covering those as well. OU812 is another one of my favorite Van Halen albums, as is Van Halen 2. I think we'll kind of cover those as a another double shot down the line. Um next tune coming up for us to give a little gander to though is ain't talking about love this is track number four off of the debut record by the boys in van halen something you need 
Oh yeah, Ain't Talking About Love. That's right, Ain't Talking About Love. And Dave can write some lyrics. They might be a little dirty. They might be a little raunchy. But the man can write them. And Eddie can play the shite out of a guitar. And can definitely play some riffs. Hook you right away. That is something that Eddie is excelled at. Hooking the audience right away with those riffs. You, you don't want to... It's, it's like a car crash. You don't want to look away. I mean, do, 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 do. I mean, it's basic, but at the same time, he adds his own little flair to it, and there it is. Boom. This this hook that just grabs a hold of you says, Get over here! You're going to listen to this. And you're going to love it. And people did. This was uh, another one of the singles off of the album, and it did very good for the boys there. Uh, the next one is an album cut that never made radio play but is another fantastic foray into what the what they sound like who they are and just how great all of them are together and i'm talking about dave david lee roth i'm talking about edward van halen i'm talking about alex van halen and i am talking about the one of the nicest guys in rock and roll michael anthony here's i'm the one This is one of those first songs you hear coming from Dave Dave's mouth that has that kind of slightly cheesy, I'm going to do a neat little step and dance for you. It kind of sounds kind of like it came out of the 30s or 40s a little bit. Lyrically, tonally, I mean, the music really behind it is not, but there, there's a little bit of that canter in there from, or, uh, yeah, that's the word I'm, no, no, not canter, cadence. Whereas, do 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 da 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 Yeah, like, like ragtime. That's it. That's the words I'm looking for, ragtime. Uh, and another side note, because I'm really good with those. Uh, if anyone out there in... Uh, out there in the podcast land that's listening to this has some sort of copy or whatever of that little riff that they play in Back to the Future by Eddie Van Halen who if you also listen to the way Michael J. Fox who did actually play the guitar parts in all of those songs on Back in Back to the Future that he was featured in and did sing you know he was heavily influenced by Ed and not just because oh hey look Edward Van Halen and he's going to wake up his then dad and blah 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 but if you listen to the, his riffs when he goes off during Johnny Be Good, that is Eddie Van Halen influenced to the nth degree. 
and it's just another salute to the man who belongs where he is now unfortunately rest in peace Eddie but up amongst the gods and the next song coming up is 100% one of those songs that they all wrote together and Ed played Dave sang and we absolutely love a little bit little bit there little, little tune there called Jamie's Crying song Dave wrote to I don't know why he wrote it but to me I always think about it. it's about a asshole fuck boy who just doesn't want to treat a girl right she goes about living her life and whatnot. and uh, that song right there for me on the music side of things that's that's the beginning of the showcase of Alex's genius as well it's another great drum riff uh, that he just continues to be kind of that underappreciated guy in rock and roll music. It, on on the whole, I know guys like me who really do thrive on listening and, and enjoying music and collecting it know that Alex is you know definitely in the upper echelon of rock and roll drummers but I don't think he gets his just due I said this in the first uh, in the first episode I don't think he gets his just due as being a, an amazing player behind the kit and is he Neil Peart it, no or is he Buddy Rich no but at the, or he's not even you know I mean John Bonham is I mean, it's John, John Bonham but he adds something all the time there, there's always something in there neat little fill that he'll do or little little riff on something whatever and and it always ends up really working and i don't think he gets the do that he deserves next one coming up here we're going to take a little listen to is an odd choice for well i wouldn't say an odd choice for the band it just kind of flew on hmm let me word this right it's an odd choice because of the idea of the song and there weren't many bands that were doing things like this especially a bar band from the mid 70s but this is one of those songs that is just kind of slaps you in the face and really is really really good and if you've never listened to this album in its entirety and you hear this, you're, you're going to dig this. I guarantee it because it's a great track. And I also know that this is definitely one of my cousin Jeff's favorite tracks off of this album. 
and he's one of the reasons we're doing this here podcast today because he I just he's one of my influences one of the guys that helped build my love for music and this kind of music at that time when it was important so here it is from Van Halen's debut Atomic Punk <laughs> Eat your heart out, Tom Morello. again yes there it is probably one of the first guy I, I would venture I I don't recall in my travels amongst the world of listening to music I don't recall ever hearing anyone do that record scratching sound before Ed did and like I said there being kind of a douche Tom Morello eat your heart out because that was that one was first, and it was awesome. And the lyrics, the the story behind it is pretty intoxicating, too. It just kind of draws you into this weird little sci-fi story and takes you on a bit of a journey. Kind of like Rush did with most of their music. They took you on some sort of weird music journey. Well... In this song, Dave and the boys wrote something that did the exact same thing at a very strange time and in a very, just wouldn't expect it from a rock and roll bar band, but they pulled it off. Now, here is the track that I absolutely adore off of this album, and it's mainly because of the, the harmonies, especially at the end of the song. Uh, if you've, I don't know what rock you've been living under because it is a radio hit, but if you've never listened to this song in its entirety and heard that end where the three guys harmonize together and sing that song to perfection, feel your love tonight. Here it comes.
I mean, come on. And that's just right there. When they go to the very end of the song and all three of them do it a cappella. Forget about it, son. Such good stuff. Such good stuff. Ted Templeman knew exactly what to do producing that song that way. And if it wasn't his idea, whoever idea it was to do that little a cappella ditty at the end, thank you, thank you, thank you, because it just made the song, and it always makes me feel happy. <clears throat> I wish I knew what happened betwixt Dave and the boys in 84, 85 that caused the split, and I don't. Um, I'm lax on that kind of research because I've heard so many stories and I don't want to know I guess maybe I don't want to know 100% what happened because then that takes away from the mystique of everything but man there are times where yeah I love Sammy but I wish they hadn't screwed up and I wish they'd have been able to stay friends and make more music together but you know times change people change and people moved on. And honestly, though Dave or though Ed is definitely the virtuoso and a guitar god, and this is just the beginning of it, as he progressed and as he got older and more mature with playing, some of the stuff that he wrote, especially on OU812, and I cannot wait to be able to get my hands on a copy on vinyl so that we can talk about that one, because that's the one that kicked me in the face and said you know what you really need to love Van Halen more than you already do and I extolled the virtues of 5150 earlier in the in the first part of this uh, but OU812 his guitar playing is just absolutely sublime there's hooks in almost every single song and every and there's hooks in almost everything that Eddie did but you can see the progression in his maturity as a player, as a guy that built his own guitars, fiddled around in that crazy-ass studio of his in, at 5150, everything. And <clears throat> the next three tunes coming up, One, the first one is uh, Little Dreamer, and another great song. This is another one of those, there is not a bad track on this album. There is only one mildly weak track and that's the final one but that's just my opinion other people may find may say screw you kyle you don't know what you're talking about but uh little dreamer is a nice little uh lovey-dovey slightly slower song I, I wouldn't call it necessarily a ballad but it's probably the closest one on here to a ballad and uh let's check out out a little bit here Little Dreamer from Van Halen's first record. <laughs> Skies. But you were young and bold, and baby, didn't that change with a wink of your eye? Now no one's talking about those crazy days gone by. No one talks about the times you cried. 
Grammys. Eddie and Michael. Oof. So pretty. And yeah, I guess that really is kind of a ballad. I'm, uh, these guys kind of wrote the mold for the what was to come from all of the hair metal bands and the 80s rock bands that, that kind of went by a certain formula. Hard rock and hit. Ballad to hook the girls. Yada, yada, yada. They they were the they were the mold makers on that for sure, and I don't care. I love that music anyway, so ain't hurting my feelings. But for my money, so beautiful on the harmonies, so just beautiful playing. Wonderful little little lyrics, and then we come up to this one. Now. Unfortunately, Dave cannot be said to have written the lyrics on this song. But these guys play the shit out of this and make it... This is the one that they make their own. And I like the original... I've heard many different versions. I can't say I've heard the original. I probably have. Uh, This was written by John Brim. Um, Unfortunately, I did not do the research to find out I'm assuming he was a blues man because this is definitely a early blues song. And I'm sorry for that tap, 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 tap sound. I'm doing laundry and I must be in the spin cycle. (laughs) Anyway, uh, this is definitely one of those great old school blues songs and they made it their own. This does not sound all bluesy. And the... The harmonization, again, between those three voices on this song is pretty great. And Dave's kind of tongue-in-cheek. Ha-ha. Almost ragtimey sound again is wonderful on this song. So let's take a little listen to I'm Your Ice Cream Man, baby. Dedicate one to the ladies. Summertime said, babe, need something to keep you cool. I'm now summertime said, babe, need something to keep you cool. Better look out now, though. Dave's got something for you. Tell you what it is. I'm your ice cream man. Stop me when I'm passing by. Oh, my, my, I'm your ice cream man. Stop me when I'm passing by. Now all my flavors are guaranteed to satisfy Hold on a second, baby I gotta put my banana Dixie cups All flavors and push-ups too I'm your ice cream man, baby Stop me when I'm passing by See, now all my flavors are guaranteed to satisfy Hold on one more Well, I'm usually passing by Just about 11 o'clock <laughs> I never stop I'm usually passing by just around 11 o'clock And if you let me cool you one time You'll be my regular style Alright boys Now put my banana Pixie cups Oh flavors and push up to Under icing man Stop me with a bunch of vibe All my flavors are guaranteed to satisfy And whether Here's a little interesting fact that I found out about this one that I did not know. 
I was not aware that on the actual recording, that is not Eddie playing the, the acoustic guitar. That is Diamond David Lee Roth himself. Dimebag Dave, even. Playing the acoustic guitar and riffing it out, which is probably why I said, Oh no, one more time, baby. I, I gotta play this again. Now, I love that song. I don't care. It's cheesy. It's tongue-in-cheek. It's wonderful. It's fun. And you can tell they were having fun doing it. So, that's really all, all that matters. Now, coming up is probably the only song on this record that I am not as fond of as the rest. It's a, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. It's just... They could have ended this with Ice Cream Man and I'd have been happy. But this song is on there. It's good. It's on fire. I might get some hate for this, but, you know, it is what it is. Everybody's got their opinions. I'm no different. And a lot of times, you know what? Sometimes my opinions are wrong. That's okay. But here it is. The final track on Van Halen's debut with David Lee Roth on lead vocals. Eddie Van Halen on lead guitar and backing vocals. Michael Anthony on bass and backing vocals. And the ever-present and wonderful Alex Van Halen on drums. On fire. Okay, now I think I figured it out. It's not that I don't like this song. I think it's the placement on the album. Had I been the guy in the studio doing the mixing and doing whatever, I'd have probably put this either in between Jamie's Crying and Atomic Punk or in between Atomic Punk and Feel Your Love Tonight. Because Atomic Punk and this song feel right together to me. But putting it on right after Ice Cream Man, which is just... Ice Cream Man really doesn't fit on this album either uh, sonically completely but for some reason it works at the end and I think it should have been the end track that's that's where I, I kind of bump into it but on the whole the song really is not bad at all um, so I don't want anybody to kind of be like you know coming at me on the Facebook's of the Twitter saying, you're a dick, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. I think it's just, I bump into that, and that's where things go for me. But there it is. Tracks 1 through 11 on Van Halen's debut album. And the one, the first album with Dave. And before we had the first album with Sammy. So there's our talk about the debate between the two now as i said before honestly there is no need for debate there is room in this world for both you don't like sammy's version fine you don't like dave's version 
fine. But you know what? If you sit down and really th- listen to everything between the two, can you go apples to apples? No, because they're not. And that's okay. But there's room for both. As far as personalities go, no. No, there wasn't room for both. But as far as us fans, brothers and sisters, there's room for both at, both both versions. Ain't no reason to throw hate. Especially now since we're, we're never going to hear anything else by Van Halen. At least nothing live. How's that? Because unfortunately we did lose Ed. And god damn what a dark day. But as far as his health goes and how everything went for him, he's in a... a in heaven or wherever you want to believe, he's in a, a better place because he's not suffering with all the medical BS, um, which I know at the end he was. But the legacy the man left with both all, all three lead singers, whether you like Gary Sharon as the lead singer or not, I don't, but he left a legacy with him too. And... So just be thankful that we had him for the time that we did and be thankful that he was able to give us some art with two completely different guys and they all made us feel. That's what I had to say about this, the great debate today. Much love to all of you brothers and sisters. And I do believe... It's time for me to find my sign-off song. Oh, no, wait, I lied. Because you know what? On all of these here records, I have at the very least given some idea as to where they were on uh, charts and things of that nature. And I've been kind of remiss doing that on this episode. So we're going to delve into that real quick here. Uh, This is a uh, certified diamond record it has sold over 10 million copies in the united states back in 1978 it did reach up to number 33 and then subsequently in 1979 it went up to number 15 did not ever actually hit number one which is a crime but there was a lot of competition back then as well, so you just kind of got to go with it. Uh, but they eventually did get their due in 1984 and in 1986 and seven, and Van Halen did eventually hit number one, where they do definitely belong. Um, so yeah, just be happy that we had them. And let's stop fighting over who's better, Dave or Uncle Sammy. And once again, you all can find me. My name is Kyle. You can find me on uh, Twitter at CastoKyle. You can find me on Instagram at KCasto2112. And you can find me on the Facebooks just under my normal name. And just remember, much love to you all, brothers and sisters. 
Peace. Physical impossibility 